Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast, coming to you live and quarantined from beautiful Kamloops, British Columbia. My special guest today is James Null. James is a very, very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. And I say entrepreneur in the true sense of the word because he's not only a real estate investor who's built up a very significant portfolio of over 250 doors, but he's also a Realtor and he has his own brokerage. So he's a busy, busy guy. He knows real estate inside and out from all different angles. And today we're going to have a great conversation. So welcome onto the call, James. Hey, thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to being able to be a part of the podcast. Really Excellent. excited to chat with you. So, James, as we're filming this right now, we're just, I guess, a month into the whole COVID quarantine thing. It's hard to tell. I can't keep track of time as well as I did before. How is this affecting things real estate-wise in your neck of the woods in Edmonton? Well, Edmonton is pretty on par with what's happening across the country. Across the country, there you know, there's two main stats that are the easy ones to look at for right now, which are the overall market activity in terms of sales volume and then the market activity in terms of new listings coming to market. So Sales volume in Edmonton is down about 6% year over year, which means 60% fewer houses changed hands in the first 10 days of April. And there are about 50% fewer listings that have come online compared to last March. So, you know, I mean, I think the messaging is wait and see. That's what people want to do with this COVID thing. It's a completely unprecedented scenario that we're dealing with. And a lot of people want to watch how it plays out before they take action. So, both sellers wanting to put their houses on the market and buyers wanting to make purchases. Everybody's just taking a quick pause to see what exactly happens, what the impacts are on the economy and the pricing before they're willing to jump back in. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, we've got so many people that aren't working or reduced working, reduced hours, so much job insecurity, Alberta getting the crap kicked out of it left, right, and center with, with COVID and the oil prices and the whole bit. Right lining up. Yeah, it's it's definitely challenging times. However, I don't know. I think challenging times also bring massive opportunities, typically. That's what I've seen over the years, that's for sure. So, you know, with your crystal ball, where do you see the opportunities coming after the smoke clears from COVID? Yeah, I think that's a great question. For me, you know, COVID's a scenario that, you know, in some ways we've really seen this before. Alberta is a cyclical economy. We have our ups, we have our downs, we have market growth, we have market recessions. And that, that cycle happens on a fairly short timeline, really, in the grand scheme of things, like a seven to 10 year window. So even in my career, I've been through three pretty major market corrections now. And well, you know, the potential health concern and not being able to go outside is new. Everything else about a receding market is fairly, fairly commonplace for us investors in Alberta. So we know what to do. And we've seen this pattern before. And so we know what opportunities are going to come. So I really feel like, you know, the Albertan real estate investor is well poised for this upcoming series of opportunities because we've seen them before. We know how to capitalize on them. And the type of opportunities that typically come up, first and foremost, are going to be distressed sellers. So that's going to come in the form of pre-foreclosure, foreclosure, or people who just, you know, the, the weight of the world is being felt by them and they want to sell quickly. What that means is quick sales and short sales at you know below market price points, but it also really opens the door for 
creative style real estate, which is everything from agreement for sale to vendor financing, stuff like that becomes more and more feasible as the market softens. So those are, you know, those are going to be the opportunities that we're already preparing ourselves for because during the last major correction, which was, you know, 2015 and then 2016, we saw the same pattern develop where oil dropped, people were worried, we want to wait and see. Oil kind of established its, its bottom point at the equilibrium, we got a new normal, and then investors started taking action on opportunities. Same thing, we're going we're gonna to go through a period of change, we're going to hit an equilibrium point at the bottom, that's going to become the new normal, and then it's time to start pursuing opportunities. Yeah, so I, I think you're absolutely right, especially investors in Alberta. It's not your first rodeo. That's right. Um, kind of, <laughs> you, you got the gist of how this whole thing works. So let me ask you this, James, from from your perspective, with all of your properties, all your experience, all your doors, what do you recommend to those investors in Ontario and BC that it's been go, go, go for quite a while? This is the first major hiccup they're seeing in a long time. What's your suggestions to them for how to hold the course, how to maintain things, how to not become one of those motivated sellers? Totally. And that's a great question. And what I'll start by speaking to is what Vancouverites and Ontarians have gotten accustomed to, which is rapid market growth. And when rapid market growth becomes the norm, strategies start to shift towards focusing solely on equity. So what that means is people buying without cash flow being front row center. They'll even feed negative cash flow properties, knowing that and hoping that we'll get equity growth. Things like pre-sale starts to make sense. Things like flipping without getting the property below market value makes sense because you can buy at market value, add a bit of renovation to it and sell at market value. These are the sorts of things that work in a market that's going up. They're not the sort of things that work in a market that's soft or static. And everybody seems like they're a genius in those kind of markets, right? Oh, well, flip this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what, what, what you have to do in a market that's, you know, more, more, you know, either receding or stable is go back to some of the more classic fundamentals of real estate investing. The first one being positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know how long things are going to stay flat, or when they're going to start growing again. In the meantime, cash flow becomes so much more important because that holding power and that staying power is what's going to allow you to hold on to your real estate without becoming, like you said, one of those motivated sellers. The second thing that we've gotten really, really good at in Alberta, knowing that the market hasn't been growing, is saying, you know what? We've said, we put on our our Alberta ingenuity and said, to heck with it. We're not going to wait for the market. We're going to add our own value to the properties. So a strategy that's very popular is the Burr strategy. Or, you know, as they call it in other circles, the flip to yourself strategy, where you buy a property, you renovate it to add the value, and then you take that equity back out on a refinance. That strategy becomes so much more popular in a flat market because you can still add equity value to a property without sitting on your hands waiting for market appreciation. So that's another thing that you can do in a marketplace, and that's a lesson that can be learned from Alberta and other markets in the country. The last thing I would say is you have the luxury of being patient. In, in a hot market, I mean, Vancouverites, multiple offer situations in the 20s, the 30s, the 40 bids, that's kind of become par for the course. Whereas in a, in a market like ours in Alberta, you can actually look at multiple options, take a day to think about it, and then submit offers that are below list price and negotiate for better terms and aggressive price points. So 
being patient and being choosy is something you can do in a market like the one we're about to enter. And that's where you get really, really great deals because you can actually be selective and negotiate aggressively. A final strategy that I would recommend is because we are investors, we're not emotionally invested in any one property or another. That means that if you have a property type that you want to pursue, pick five that match your type, write an aggressive offer on all five, and see which seller is willing to play ball in that marketplace. Because if you're not so dead set on any one property, find the one that's the best deal. And that's something we do with our clients all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Another, another thing that, that I've done in flat kind of markets as well is making multiple offers on the same property. So going in with a variety of different offers using different strategies and, and, and for the seller, especially if it's kind of a flat market and they aren't getting very many offers in the first place, if you bring in three or four different possibilities for them, one of them perhaps being a complete low ball, but a couple of others being some creative financing, owner financing, what have you, then it becomes a matter of which one do I choose versus yes or no. Yeah, I, I would echo that sentiment. When it is a buyer's market, as a buyer, you can start bringing more creative negotiating strategies to the table. And the either or negotiating strategy is a longtime favorite of mine. It's awesome that you can use it in this type of marketplace because, you know, a really low unsavory offer might actually make the other one look more acceptable by comparison. And you're, you know, subtly steering the seller towards selecting the option that you wanted all along, which yeah. might include creative terms, which is what you want to see. Right, exactly. And either way, you know, you're you're getting a good deal, right? It's it's just either good price or, or good terms. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff there, James. So I love this because again, these folks in these hot markets are very, very nervous and justifiably so because we don't know exactly how things are gonna land. But by sharing this, you're showing that there there is hope and there is opportunity on the other side of this, no matter what happens. That's the beautiful thing, right? That's, you can shift, you can pivot, you can, you can change your investing style on a dime to meet the current circumstances. So speaking of investing styles, you've been, how long have you been investing in real estate for, James? I've been investing for about 15 years in real estate. Wow, that's great. Now, you've built up a significant portfolio, over 250 doors. What does your portfolio look like these days? I would say the majority of those doors are multifamily buildings, very, very classic walk-up style apartment buildings, our smallest being 12 units, our largest being 40. I still do have a lot of houses with basement suites. That was kind of the first stab I had at real estate was houses with basement suites. I've got a couple of duplexes with suites. And then every primary residence I've ever owned, after I was done with it, I kept it fully furnished so that I could decorate my new place. So I've got a collection of furnished rentals as I've moved from primary residence to primary residence. <laughs> some of them are Airbnb, some of them are long-term furnished. But it's it's fun because I get to get creative every time I move and decorate a new place. Well, that's that sounds like that's a fun idea. That sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. So you're done with you get bored with one house, you don't just move into a new house. You leave all your stuff in the old one. Saves a lot of moving expenses. Yeah, you get to re completely refurnish and, and redecorate the new one with all the all the cool stuff you've seen in the meantime. And chances are, I mean, if you're getting the kind of cash flow that I know of from some of my clients doing furnished rentals, you're probably getting at least three times the cash flow, if not far more, from that furnished property than you would 
renting it out as a regular unfurnished. That's exactly it. You hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, it's a system that works on a lot of levels. And, you know, I, I really enjoy being able to get creative every so often with a new place. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. So, you know, for those folks that are kind of new to real estate investing or they've been focusing on single family homes or, you know, pre-sale condos or whatever the heck they're doing, what would be your little one minute take on why you prefer multifamilies? Well, I like multifamily because of efficiency. So a really quick way to illustrate that is, you know, if you have a million bucks, a million bucks can divide into 10 $100,000 down payments on 10 $500,000 houses at 20% down. Right. Well, I can tell you right now, one $5 million apartment building with a million dollars down at 20% is not 10 times more work than 10 houses. It's quite the opposite. Each one of those houses is quite a bit of work, almost as much so as one multifamily building. So when you start scaling up, attracting more capital through your joint venture efforts, and you know you kind of have the confidence and the ability to go larger, even pound for pound, if the return on investment is a little bit smaller in multifamily, you, getting 1% less ROI on a $5 million building compared to a $500,000 building is way more equity creation. So it's a much more efficient way to deploy capital in terms of managing your time. And because you're going for a larger project, it's okay to have a slightly smaller ROI because you're generating so much more equity with a bigger building. So you're, when you say ROI, you're talking about cash on cash. Is that correct? Yeah, cash on cash or you know equity growth, either or. Yeah. And the other thing, especially taking into account today's current situation, is your risk is so much lower with the multifamily, right? Because if you're buying a $5 million property, you know, depending on where you're buying it, that could be anywhere between 20 and a hundred units. But, you know, compared to single family home, we got a vacancy. You're hundred percent vacant with your single family home. We got a vacancy in a 20 unit building. You know, you've still got 19 that are carrying you. So it lowers your risk a lot. The other thing I've loved about multifamily is the valuation of the property. So with single family homes, the values are tend to fluctuate a lot based on emotion, right? Based on based on what people are willing to pay for a property versus a multifamily. Typically, the valuation is based on how profitable is that property. So if you're able to get in there and make improvements on there, lower expenses, increase revenues, you can exponentially increase the value of that property compared to what you had to put into it to increase the value. That's, that's Absolutely, right. yeah. And if I can build on that just from my own experience here in Alberta, the way that Alberta is set up from the landlord-tenant law perspective, first, we don't have rental increase restrictions. So that being in place, it allows you to, if you improve the building, increase the rents accordingly to the building improvements without having to butt up against a rental raise restriction of a couple of percentages like you deal with in most other provinces as Canada. Yeah. The second thing is, if you want to do a full-scale overhaul of a building, you know, you have an older building that is at the end of its economic life or that's been poorly managed or has a tenant profile that it doesn't fit the building in the neighborhood, it's much easier to get vacant occupancy of a building or to vacate a building once you've taken possession compared to most other markets. It's very, very difficult, I know, in British Columbia to, for example, take a 20-unit building and end up with 20 vacant units to do a large-scale renovation. Whereas in Alberta, every lease is on a timeline, 
So as long as you give the tenants proper notice, we're not throwing them out on the street, but as long as you give the tenants proper notice and reasonable time to find a new home, then you can actually vacate that building to undertake a large project, which feeds into the ultimate goal, like you were touching on, of raising the rent, which raises the net operating income, which can create a ton of equity very quickly in the building because that value of the building is tied to the net operating income. Yeah, most definitely. James, I can tell that we could go on for a long time here, my friend. We're, we're of the same mindset, that's for sure. So it's obvious you're a smart guy, you're a successful guy. If people want to find out more about James Null and, and what you're up to, what should they do? I would say the first and easiest place would be our website, www.mogulrg.com. And we are incredibly active on social media, love social media. So look me up on Facebook, hit me with a friend request. I'd love to connect with you and keep in touch. That's right. And if you happen to be in the Edmonton area, I think you've got a very, very popular real estate club in the area. Is that correct? A meetup yeah. group? Yeah, we do. We really love fostering the real estate investor community here in the city. So we do have a meetup on the last Wednesday of the month called Mogul Mastermind. And we have fabulous speakers come out and we really focus on facilitating networking so that investors can connect, share ideas and inspire each other. Awesome. Very good. James, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, take care and we will see you on the next episode. Stay safe. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.